0: Sometimes it can be challenging to tell a supervisor, no, (laughs) no, I can't work on that. This is uh, too much of a challenge for me to work on. Or, yeah, no, you already asked me and still no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe don't say it like that.
0: Exactly. But either way, still, how do you manage workload activities and requirements and everything, especially if you have a lot going on? and supervisors that are trying to manage all of their workload activities as well, and your colleagues, but you might be in a position where it is better off if you were to just say no. Just say no. Just say no. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Javier, and
1: I'm Karen. And
0: together we make the, the Gov Geeks. We get together every Thursday at six o'clock to talk a little bit about getting in and getting ahead in government. This is Gov Geeks Assemble. Level up your nine to five on ninety five. And this week we're talking about just saying no. <laughs> but <laughs> the like
1: right way to the say the
0: right it. way. Yeah, it's not we the Nancy about- Reagan thing. You know, just say no.
1: Right. We talked about political savvy last time. So this is a segue or that was a segue into kind of how to say no.
0: Which is very helpful uh, in an organization overall, Uh, because there might be some things that it's trying to happen. You know, some activities, initiatives, et cetera, are being pushed a little bit more. And as great as they are, it could be a bit more of a challenge to kind of manage them. Um, But the other thing, the bigger thing is what happens if you're that super people pleaser? And you're like, I can get it done. Sure, no worries. Next and then week, you burn yourself Absolutely, out. exactly. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you're thinking, My God, why did I do that? <laughs> it's nine o'clock at night, and I haven't got home yet. I need to go feed my cat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or like in Veep, you need to you make up an imaginary dog.
0: Oh, exactly, to get <laughs> the imaginary dog. Uh, that's funny. Well, yeah, if you've ever been put in a situation where you would like to be able to manage a diplomatic no uh, and still manage the outcomes, manage the relationship, keep the whole uh, idea about having political savvy still at the forefront, then yes, absolutely. Because, uh, Karen, I know also you don't want to be the person that always says no or can't do stuff. And then you stop going to that person. Then opportunities pass you by. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, this was a great thing that you could have worked on for the undersecretary. But, uh, yeah, you know, you're always busy. So I just didn't want to bother you with mm-hmm. it. That could be bad.
1: Definitely. Bad. <laughs> so there's a happy, there's a, happy middle point.
0: Happy middle point. Yes. Like happy Madison. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit how, a little bit more about how to manage saying no uh, diplomatically. Okay, so what's the first tip?
1: So the first tip is, which we've talked about a lot, manage expectations.
0: Yes, absolutely. So uh, I I think earlier when we were uh, trying to do the promo for this video, you had a great example where you were saying, by when do you need it by? So as to help manage the expectations, the timeline, uh, if a person just shows up and says, hey, can you do this? Well, do they need it right now? Right, Is you may priority? think that they
1: need it right now, but they don't. And so you move everything aside, work on that, mm-hmm. and then push you know other things that needed to get done. So you could get this done. And turns out they it wasn't really a, a high priority.
0: Yeah. Or it could have been just, yeah, I was curious about this, you know, no big rush.
1: <laughs> just curious.
0: <laughs> I think another thing about managing expectations is to help them understand how you would like to receive information so that you know how best to serve their needs. So um, asking clarifying questions. Again, is this something that you need right away? By when do you need this? Uh, I have all these other things on my plate right now. Which one should I prioritize? Managing their expectations so that then later on, when another item comes up, they could say, hey, uh, I'd like for you to work on this. I realize you have this other project going on. This is priority because of this reason, that reason, this reason. Please work on this one right now. Mm So easier to kind of like manage all of that as well.
1: Which goes into that juggling your own priorities so that you can make sure that if another thing comes your way, you're able to prioritize. And sometimes it may not be something that can get done. Maybe it can wait a couple of weeks until you finish some of the more, you know, higher priority items. Mm. And then you can go on to the the next thing.
0: Yeah. You know, also in last week's video, we were talking about just overall, again, managing expectations by understanding the terrain, this whole concept of political savvy. So, in managing expectations, if you know why they're asking the question or for whom it's actually for, whatever the work product. Perhaps you could then understand, okay, is this really a priority? Is this really something that's working, uh, that, that's going to allow me to work on this or stay late at work, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to kind of manage uh, all of those things. To be honest, it makes me think a whole lot of Ugly Betty. Uh, Because in the the show, Ugly Betty, she was always really great about trying to manage different tasks that she was given. And she would ask those types of clarifying questions. Because at the beginning, when she wasn't, she was going crazy trying to do everything. And she really wanted to make a good impression. But unfortunately, she just couldn't do everything. And that's when things kind of went haywire. So once you learn how to manage it, it's a little easier at that point.
1: Right. Which I think we've all learned that very important question of, by when do you need this?
0: Right. Well, gosh, even understanding the the quality of the standards, you know, okay, happy to do this for you. Some agencies and organizations, they're like, it has to be 100%. It has to be perfect in order for it to go out the door. Other places, they're like, no, we realize that getting it out faster is a priority. So if it's at 90%, that is going to suffice. Hmm. Um Now, of course, if you're talking about dollars and figures and other things like, I don't know, it's an estimate. You spend $3 billion or $4 billion. (laughs)
1: I'm in finance. We don't do 90%.
0: (laughs) I know a lot of uh, cultures within uh, Department of Defense, for instance, because they're very much focused on the timeliness, getting things done, prioritized, and out so that they can move forward. And the other thing also is that we're talking about an A, an A-graded paper, a 90, is the same as a 100 in the whoa, A Whoa, 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 whoa. Now that's just... Is it <laughs> worth destroying your, your time and your family and all of your priorities to get everything perfect for something that no one's ever going to read?
1: <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. The perfectionist in Karen is really striking out. <laughs> okay. So uh, to manage my expectations of my health and well-being, uh, let's move on from the subject. What's the next one?
1: So the next one is know your limits.
0: Oh, how perfectly, perfectly timed, exactly. (laughs) I think this one makes a lot of sense. Um, There are some skills that we all have that we can really bank on. I mean, we have worked on it. We understand a process, perhaps it's a system and you know how you can manage something. There's other things that perhaps we've never done before and if someone swings into your office casually or sends you an email like, oh, hey, can you work on this thing? It's just a simple data pull. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know how to pull this data. <laughs>
1: well, not only that, half the times it's not a simple data pull. There's some. Something- stuff that happens after you pull the data.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's been my experience in working with a lot of executives where they have this great understanding about what they want, and that's awesome. But their understanding of how to get that information is a little bit challenging because they're not necessarily the ones directly in the systems, managing the information, doing on that ground level stuff. And then their mind, they're like, all you gotta do is just do this, do that, do a pivot table and you're done. It should only take you five minutes. <laughs>
1: I think I've actually said that before. Now you're making me feel bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Look, it's simple. You just go in there, hit F4, run the pivot table. Yeah. But I mean, that is one of your skills and your expertise. So when you're talking about managing your expectations or managing your limits, um, if that is your limit, that's not necessarily the limit of the people that you're working with. Perhaps they have a greater degree or a lesser degree, to be honest, on things uh, as well. Um, there's a whole lot of things that obviously I'm not really great at. So you ask the people that are good at that stuff mm-hmm. and that why actually you have enjoy it.
1: Those people around you mm-hmm. to support and provide that type of expertise.
0: So it's important to know your limits, but also to know the limits of those that you're working with as well. I mean, like if you're a manager and you're assigning different tasks, as is the responsibility of a supervisor. Um, what if you're overloading a person mm-hmm. uh, that that's really something to to kind of consider. Uh, Karen, you've been a subject matter expert in all sorts of stuff. What has been your experience when someone continues to come to you and give you work because they're like, Karen can handle it. Oh, I know she can do it. Let's just give it to Karen. It's like, it's like the whole thing, give it to Mikey.
1: Yeah. I do get that
0: reference a lot.
1: Um <laughs> Um, which you'll probably have to insert that because um, I don't know how many people remember that that commercial.
0: Good kicks commercial,
1: yeah, that's good. Life, I think. Was it life? Was. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. So I think as far as your question, um, really, I kind of try to slyly, in a way, teach them, like you know, teach them to fish. Um, and I know I've been on the other, you know, side of that too, where I find that I'm asking somebody a lot of times, even though, yes, they may be the expert and yes, you know, that, that that's their role. I also want to learn. So whether it's, I think, recently Power BI, you know, well, show me how you do it so I can better understand it. So then I can do it as well. Yeah, and maybe, I'm curious,
0: Power BI?
1: Power BI.
0: Power BI. That yes. sounds like a protein shake that you take in the morning.
1: It's like pivot tables and macros on steroids.
0: Wow, that so. sounds cool. Like an access database or something? Similar. Oh, I'm learning so much already. So You but, can see why she gets asked all the questions, right?
1: <laughs> no, but it's really learning from them as well as you teaching them and giving them the tools that they need. And then if you're finding that they're still continuing to ask, then that's setting those boundaries of, I would love to help you. Maybe then I delegate it once I figure out what your priority is, what your expectation is. I could delegate it to somebody else to get it done. so that would be kind of the steps I would take.
0: You know, it's interesting because it reminds me of this other idea about building capacity, not only in yourself and your supervisor, but in your colleagues and those around you. So if by chance you happen to be getting that same request over and over because it was so great, everyone likes it. Well, if you teach others and you manage it a little bit better, then it's something that the team could do. So it's not all dependent on that one person. Oh,
1: having that single point of failure, how horrible is that?
0: Well, it's also interesting because a lot of times in government, uh, I've had the experience where people like to hoard expertise so that this way they are the one person that knows how to do it. And as a result of that, there's this perception that there is the value that they have. Almost like, oh, they need me because I'm the only one that knows how to do this and I'm not going to tell anyone else how to do it. That could be a little bit challenging in an organization because then what happens if uh, the person is sick, they're out, they want the lottery, the information is needed, and then you have operational failure, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because they've become dependent on something that cannot be duplicated. So share the information, know your limits, help other people grow their limits as well. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Okay. Enough of that. What's the next one?
1: (laughs) The next one is offer a reasonable alternative. So in our example for the promo, Mm -hmm, it was, mm -hmm. well, maybe I can have somebody else who has the bandwidth to help you do that research.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, Alternatives are a good way of managing what is possible. So if an individual has it in their mind that there is only one certain way to do something or only one clear objective, well, if you give them an alternative, perhaps you're allowing them to reimagine a possibility that even could be better than the one that they had thought about, um, which which is fantastic. You know, there's a lot of things with software programs and things, for instance, where you are accustomed to a certain way of doing something. But then you realize that later on, if you use a different type of a system or you manage or manipulate the data in a different way, you're able to get a different result. And it can be in any number of activities. It could be like readiness if you're in law enforcement and there are certain standards and protocols, but you're trying to grow and evaluate, well, what are better ways that we can do this? What are some alternatives that might be helpful for the organization. Have you considered this? Here's this. Or also like uh, if you go to the store, hey, I'm looking for this thing. Oh, you know, we don't have that, but we do have this or this <laughs> that can help you in this way.
1: As long as it's not like a um, used um, used car salesman or salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that's right. I need a sports car. Really? Well, come right this way. Let me show you some minivans. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly what happened to me. Like I'm looking for a Mustang white Mustang. I had like very specific criteria. Well, why don't we come over here and look at these beautiful minivans? It's like,
0: let's start with the not, minivans. and then move That's up.
1: not a proper alternative.
0: <laughs> yes, that's a very good point. Make sure that the alternative is appropriate as well. Um, but if they're coming to you with the ask, The idea is that hopefully you should be the one that has a good understanding about what all that stuff is. So your alternative recommendation should be helpful. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. Not like in that situation where they're just trying to sell a completely different vehicle altogether. (laughs) That's good. Well, Karen, what has been your experience in providing alternatives for uh, either staff, supervisors, executive leadership, all of that sort of stuff?
1: Hmm. Good alternatives. I think it's maybe instead of having a specific report, maybe.
0: Just taking a moment to rehydrate. Please continue. <laughs>
1: um, an alternative of maybe using a different database or there was one instance where trying to show a specific dashboard, we didn't have that. It wasn't easily attainable. So came up with a roundabout way to do it that, you know, took some time, but once it was built, it, you know, was manageable mm-hmm. until we got, the you know, end product that we needed eventually. But this kind of filled the gap in the meantime. So it was the alternative.
0: You know, I, I think it's that type of really innovative thinking. That allows an organization to really perform well, but that also allows an individual to really demonstrate that they have the aptitude, not only for the work that they're doing now, but also growth. Mm -hmm. So if they are managing the relationships by offering alternatives, if they are being innovative in some of their solutions. And
1: given that autonomy and freedom to be innovative.
0: Yeah. It, well, absolutely. The, the culture should be there where that is is allowable uh, as well. Uh, and hopefully the, that's an environment that you can kind of nurture. So, for instance, if you're in a situation where that is not a possibility and you provide alternatives and it's something that allows for uh, a solution that perhaps they hadn't considered, then that's kind of like the first breadcrumb. And you continue to work with them to offer solutions in a partnership. And then you become a little bit more uh, established in your expertise, your availability, and you're growing the culture as well. Um, I've had supervisors myself who have been a little bit more hard nosed on things. But because of offering alternatives and building relationship and a partnership, that then grew a little bit more once they realized that there was all of these different things that were a potential. Uh, Like I always liked chocolate milk, but then all of a sudden I found out as an alternative, I could have strawberry milk uh, because one day chocolate milk wasn't available. And I love strawberry milk. So uh, allowing a little bit of that growth opportunity, I think, is a, a wonderful thing for for everyone. And it can be, in this instance, completely delicious too. <laughs> Alternatives are a great thing. Well, um, so yeah, there we go. There's a couple of ideas as to how you can go about managing the no. So obviously, when someone asks you something, it isn't just starting off with the very hard, no, can't do it. Yeah. No, nope. see you later. no. Nope. Uh, actually, I've had that experience before as well, <laughs> where I'm asking people for like information or help or something, trying to kind of get something uh, to move forward. And I've had people basically like essentially like slam the door in my face, you know, by saying, no, can't do that doing this. nope." <laughs> and, Those are the things that you really remember, uh, I mean, years later. Um, And as we know all about career management, it's about relationship management. And if you're in a position where that one person could be that one deciding factor to help you, whether or not you're going to get the position or not, and perhaps you treated them poorly in this way, they'll remember that. Mm -hmm. So uh, please make sure that that's something that you're mindful of.
1: Sorry, I slammed the door in your face.
0: It's okay. (laughs) My nose eventually healed. It took a little bit of time. (laughs) Karen, what do you think? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what are the three things that we talked about today? So the
1: three things are, which is first, manage expectations. Yes. Second is to know your limits. And Mm -hmm. I would say, understand the skill set of your team because then that goes into offer reasonable alternatives where you can delegate or find other ways to get the end result.
0: Absolutely. And these are only a couple of suggestions as to how to manage uh, expectations, how to manage saying no, how to build relationships. And really, these are starting off points. Uh, you may be experiencing certain things that you think are great strategies to help you manage saying no and how to help the environment around you as well. Uh, but these hopefully are some things that you can add to your repertoire as well. Uh, you might consider some other alternatives as well.
1: Right. Which if you do, if you have some ideas, feel free to share them below or at thegovgeeks.com or any of our other social media presence.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Please leave us a comment uh, if you've had any experiences (laughs) trying to say no or when someone basically slammed the door in your face and Mm -hmm. told you no as well. Uh, yeah, that that's something that I think is a good discussion point. I'm sure that uh, if we all had a conversation where we're sitting down talking openly <laughs> about all that, those experiences, we can have some doozies uh, to tell.
1: Right, because if we say yes all the time, we'll get burnt out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, whenever you say yes to something, you invariably are saying no to something else. So if your workload is huge, then well, what is your work-life balance looking like? And so if you feel sometimes that you're stressed out you're concerned about how things are going and you feel like perhaps you're not being appreciated because you're just given stuff and there's not a lot there, there's not enough back and forth that's been established. And you're seen as a go-to person, which is lovely, but uh, is that really worth you having enough hours of sleep at night? time with your family, or just actually walking outside and just being outdoors or just appreciating the environment that you're in. Your health and wellness is important. So it's healthy to say no sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we are moving on to our next fun phase of our show, which we do every week. This is questions from the Gov Geekdom. So please feel free to come out to thegovgeeks.com. Uh, there's a little section where you can kind of put in your questions, um, sign up for our uh, courses that we have as well. There's a great free course that we have on resume writing uh, just by signing up for the Gov Geekdom and our community as well. So yeah, uh, Karen, what questions do we have today?
1: So for today, the first question is, when do you stop feeling like an imposter?
0: Wow, that's a powerful question. Because basically- You, you could, don't? You don't? <laughs> yeah. If you feel like at first you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got this job. How did I get appointed here? Uh, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And you're feeling like, I just have to really work hard. Well, when does that ever end? I
1: don't know, when you um, find out, can you tell me?
0: (laughs) Well, I think a, a great thing to think about is asking yourself some questions about where you are and where you were. So you might feel like an imposter about any given subject, but if you think, well, who was the person that did all of the hard work to get this position? Who was the person that had this degree, this work experience, had all of these different types of accomplishments? Well, that was you. And if you reflect back on that, the idea about feeling like an imposter lessens a little bit. The other thing I think is really to kind of recognize it as an opportunity is if you feel like an imposter, well, that might mean that it's something that you're experiencing that's a little new.
1: Mm-hmm. And Which is it's, good. That means you're growing.
0: Exactly. And you're growing because then otherwise you're just doing the same thing over and over again. And that can feel boring. So, it's kind of a balance between feeling excited about something new and totally bored about something else that's happening. Yeah. Have you ever felt really bored about any work activities? No. No? You've never found anything boring at work? No.
1: (laughs) Because it's always. Every day is something. I am always awesome. No. What are you talking about? No, it's just every day there's something new. There's something different. There's a new challenge. And, you know, that's, I think that's one of the, yeah, I can't think of anything.
0: Sure. I've had some experiences feeling uh, a little bit of the boredom, uh, mainly because one of the things I love to do at work is to establish good patterns, processes, to understand how procedures should function. And once you have built a system that works really well, that's wonderful. And then you kind of like sit back and you're like, you I, I can't tweak it anymore. I can't push in one area or another anymore. So you're just grateful for what it is. And sometimes I think, boring can actually be a great thing because then that means that you're not running around with your hair on fire. You're very established. You know that there's a timeline, there's deliverables, reasonable expectations and outcomes. So yeah, maybe that is another good sign of things.
1: Hmm.
0: Or maybe yeah. I just have a knack for seeing the bright side of things.
1: <laughs> maybe. I'm still <laughs> trying to think of a time when I've been bored. I
0: In your entire career.
1: I'm sure there was something, but maybe I just have blocked it out, but in oh. the recent, you know, no.
0: Well, no worries. We have to make sure to turn in next week and see if Karen has any <laughs> <laughs> new thoughts or ideas. Uh, well, well that one's simmering a little bit, what's the uh, next question?
1: So the next one is, how do I get a higher performance rating? Oh, yeah. you took my question. Did I? <laughs> I submitted that. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because some organizations they have very strict protocol as to how things are done, and it's like some places there is never a person alive that worked there that got an ex- excellent rating, and then another place they're like, "All right, everyone's excellent. That's <laughs> right. You get a gold star, and you get a gold star." You know, which it's
1: really hard when it's within the same organization. Right. That's just yeah. That's tough. That the same unit, same division, mm-hmm.
0: exactly. Um, because you're you're trying to manage expectations, but the work can be entirely different. So who's to say that one person's work was stellar and another person's wasn't based upon the work and the requirements? This is honestly, I think, a real challenge for supervisors in general. Um, But I think very clear expectations, requirements, guidelines, and means of measuring performance are really important areas as well. So as a result... If you're interested in getting a higher performance rating, perhaps you can have a better understanding from your supervisor as to how or why that was deemed for you to earn that level. Mm -hmm. You know, your performance was this because of these things. The product output that you had was this because of these challenges or these things. And then you can think, okay, so in an open conversation, Mm -hmm. if I'm able to adjust performance and give this higher type of an output or this timeliness or this quality or this attitude, will that then help me uh, to perform better? Sure. Okay. So then you codify that into like a plan or performance plan and then have your check-ins and your conversations with your supervisor to ask. Um, So I tried working on this. I saw that I was getting a little bit more of a a better outcome. Uh, Is this what you're looking for? Are these the standards that you feel are uh, on par with the higher rating? Uh, And then you continue to go back and then just readjust Mm -hmm. and retool and update. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's great. I think you you hit it right on the head with that communication piece, because if you don't have that communication between supervisor and um, direct report, you could kind of miss the mark, even though you don't realize it. you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, I am, you know, doing my best. I'm doing, you know, more um, work. But maybe it's just it wasn't quite um, at the level that it needed to be. So, right. but your supervisor doesn't tell you, so you don't know. So it's just, it, it could be just problematic. So communication is very And important. I think
0: that goes back to the knowing your limits earlier. So what if it, like your supervisor doesn't know or understand what your limits are, or you don't know and understand yours as well. And so you're thinking this and they're thinking that or vice versa. You know? Speaking
1: a different language, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. So you all want to make sure you're on the same page right in the beginning, and then don't wait until the end of the year to say, yeah, you were horrible. Like, well, you didn't tell me anything. I had no idea. How am
0: I supposed to improve if I didn't know if I was off track? Exactly right. Well, thank you guys so much again for spending some more time with us here. Uh, We get together again every Thursday at six o'clock for Gov Geeks Assemble, level up your nine to five on 95. Karen, today we talked a little bit about uh, how to kind of manage saying no in an organization. Uh, Really, what's your closing thought?
1: No. (laughs) Uh, Really, it's just great expectations. You want to make sure that you are laying out your expectations, your skills, what you can handle, because at the end of the day, if you say yes to something, you need to be accountable for that. So you can't say yes and then blame all sorts of other reasons why it didn't happen, because it all starts with you. You have control over your career, so just manage those expectations, communicate, and ask the important question by when do you need this (laughs) perfect
0: thank you all so much we look forward to seeing you next week thank you thank you for your service